Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, we hope you enjoy this repeat broadcast. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. There was an article in the August 2019 edition of New Era magazine. New Era is a publication put out by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, written more towards a young adult audience. This was an article dealing with primarily four subjects, vaping, coffee, tea, and marijuana. In fact, that was the title of the article, Vaping, Coffee, Tea, and marijuana. It started off with a subtitle that says, let's clear up a few items that young people today may be confused about when it comes to the word of wisdom. First of all, let's explain what the word of wisdom is. If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know we've talked about this in the past, and it comes up every once in a while. And of course, this article in the August 2019 edition, I think, needs to be responded to, or at least looked at rather closely. But the word of wisdom, you could say, is nothing more than the Mormon health law. It's a little health code. It's not very long. It's only 21 verses long in section 89 of the Doctrine and Covenants. According to the heading, it was a revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at Kirtland, Ohio on February 27, 1833. Known as the Word of Wisdom, it says abstinence from wine, strong drink, tobacco, and hot drinks enjoined moderation in eating of meat, wholesome foods, promises to those who live according to these precepts. Now, Eric, I think you would agree that we wouldn't have a problem for a church organization or any religious organization or even a local Christian church fellowship being instructed on how to not only have healthy spiritual lives, but perhaps even healthy physical lives. There's nothing really in the New Testament that prohibits that. I think the problem that we would have as New Testament Christians is when you take some of these ideas and some of these suggestions and you turn them into commandments. In other words, if you don't keep up with what the local church or the religious organization in question has to say on these issues, that that becomes sin, well, now you've crossed that line. You've gone from a mere suggestion to a commandment, and now you've actually gone into the realm of legalism. And legalism tends to always lead to pride. And of course, for a Latter-day Saint, I would think they would be especially suspicious of legalism leading to pride because according to the Book of Mormon in Alma chapter 5, if you have pride in your life, you're not even prepared to die. You're not ready for celestial exaltation. So I would think that a lot of Latter-day Saints 
would take this seriously. But what do you do when the church crosses that boundary? What's interesting about this is that in April of 2019, there was speculation before the General Conference took place as to the possibility of having the Word of Wisdom perhaps taken away as far as the hot drinks go, as far as coffee and tea. And that never came to fruition. Nothing was ever said at General Conference about anything having to do with the Word of Wisdom. But it's interesting, people were thinking that maybe that was going to happen. And here we are with the August 2019 edition of New Era, which says that no. In fact, it seems like, Bill, the church is doubling down and saying, we're going to go all in. Because you have to understand, as you said, this is a salvation requirement. It is a commandment. Because if you don't do this, then you are not going to be allowed to get your temple recommend. The bishop and stake president are going to ask, have you followed the word of wisdom? And you're supposed to answer yes. If you say, no, I drink coffee and tea and I drink alcohol and I smoke, well, that's going to be problematic for them to give you this recommend, which in for all intents and purposes is a requirement to be able to go to the celestial kingdom. Let me give you a quote from 10th President Joseph Fielding Smith. This is from his book, Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 2, and page 16. He said, salvation in a cup of tea. You cannot neglect little things. Oh, a cup of tea is such a little thing. It is so little. Surely it doesn't amount to much. Surely the Lord will forgive me if I drink a cup of tea. Yes, he will forgive you because he is going to forgive every man who repents. But my brethren, if you drink coffee or tea or take tobacco, are you letting a cup of tea or a little tobacco stand in the road and bar you from the celestial kingdom of God where you might otherwise have received a fullness of glory? Now, we should mention that when it comes to the prohibition of some of the things that are mentioned in the Word of Wisdom, there's been a lot of confusion even in the behavior of Mormon leaders. Some Mormon leaders felt that it was okay to imbibe in some of these products, whereas some felt that it was not okay. Let me read you a statement from Thomas G. Alexander in a book called Mormonism in Transition, page 260. Thomas Alexander says, Though it seems clear that some church leaders like Heber J. Grant and Joseph F. Smith insisted upon complete abstinence from tea, coffee, liquor, and tobacco, all general authorities did not agree. During a discussion in 1900 after he became president of the church, Lorenzo Snow again emphasized the centrality of not eating meat, because that is mentioned in the Word of Wisdom, by the way. And in 1901, John Henry Smith and Brigham Young Jr. of the Twelve thought that the church ought not interdict beer, or at least not Danish beer. Other apostles, like Anton H. Lund and Matthias F. Cowley, enjoyed Danish beer and current wine. Charles W. Penrose occasionally served wine, and Emmeline B. Wells, then a member of the presidency and later president of the Relief Society, drank an occasional cup of coffee. And George Albert Smith took brandy for medical reasons. Elder George Teasdale agreed with President Woodruff and thought that no one ought to be kept from working in the Sunday school because he drank tea 
and that eating pork was a more serious problem than drinking tea and coffee. So we don't find a consistent example, even among some of these leaders at that time, that we're following the word of wisdom the way Mormons are supposed to follow it today. In the beginning, it was not considered a commandment. In fact, the word of wisdom says right in there, in verse 2, that this Well, let me start with verse 1. It says, A word of wisdom for the benefit of the council of high priests assembled in Kirtland and the church, and also the saints in Zion. Now, why Kirtland? Because that's where the church was headquartered at this time in 1833. But look at verse 2. To be sent, greeting, not by commandment or constraint, but by revelation and the word of wisdom showing forth the order and will of God in the temporal salvation of all saints in the last days. It was given for a principle with promise, it says in verse 3. But that phrase, to be sent greeting, not by commandment or constraint. The question that I've always had when it comes to this issue is if this is what it says in the revelation that we assume came from the God of Mormonism to Joseph Smith, Who felt that all of a sudden it should be made into a commandment later on? Now, most Mormons point to Brigham Young, and they'll say that happened around 1851. Although, Joseph Smith himself said, and this is found in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 117, it credits Joseph Smith as saying, No official member in this church is worthy to hold an office after having the word of wisdom properly taught him, and he, the official member, neglecting to comply with and obey it. Uh, He says that on April 7th, 1838. And so that is still kind of early when it comes to a lot of the things that he's making a lot of changes to Mormonism in Nauvoo. So it's interesting as well because he had a red brick store that had a tavern that served alcohol. So even though he says this in 1838, he is somebody who's serving alcohol to people who are coming in and and, and ordering this. And we know that evidence shows that Brigham Young had a still. Now, you might argue, well, was the still to make alcoholic beverages for members of the church, or was that to sell to the Gentiles so that they could make money off of it? There's all sorts of speculation regarding that. But the fact is, by their own behavior, we find a lot of confusion about this. I think you're right, and it's a great point, and we're going to be talking more about that later this week. But I want to give you a quote from Spencer Kimball, 12th president, who said it was a commandment from 1851 on. He said, the word of wisdom is a commandment. In 1851, President Brigham Young gave to this church the word of wisdom as a final and definitive commandment. From the time it was given to the prophet Joseph until 1851, it was considered as a matter of preference or suggestions to the people, a word of advice and counsel. And by the way, Bill, that is exactly what Doctrine and Covenants section 89 does say, as you mentioned earlier. But then he writes, from 1851 until this day, it is a commandment to all the members of the church of Jesus Christ. He says that in teachings of Spencer W. Kimball, page 201. Joseph F. Smith, the sixth president of the church, who in 1880 said, but says one, if I am offered a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, I cannot refuse it. Then according to the word of the Lord, you are too weak to be a Latter-day Saint. I think that statement from Joseph F. Smith in a conference, a general conference from April of 1880, page 36, is still 
the mindset of the current leadership today. And I think it's exemplified in the article that we're going to be talking about from August of 2019, found in a magazine written to the Mormon youth. I think what bothers me, and I don't know why it doesn't bother more Latter-day Saints, is when you have written scripture, in this case the Doctrine and Covenants, section 89, clearly saying that this is nothing more than really a suggestion and not a commandment, that some mortal man in the Mormon church feels that they have the authority to override what Mormons up until 1851 felt was merely a suggestion. I would think that would bother Latter-day Saints, but it doesn't seem to have any effect on them whatsoever. They just go right along with it. And you wonder why those of us on the outside look with suspicion as we examine the history of this movement and we see how they can take things and turn them into something that it was never meant to be, and all the people just fall right in line and do what they're told. You would think that God would have known that things were confusing in Doctrine and Covenants, Section 89. Why didn't he make it a little clearer so at least the leaders could have understood what it's supposed to say to be able to instruct their people on what they were supposed to do? Tomorrow we're going to get into this article uh, with much more depth titled Vaping, Coffee, Tea, and Marijuana. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.